John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not na- you do not realize now what I am going, what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Well, guys, welcome to RUF. Um, Welcome to the first ever virtual RUF. And if this is your first time to to join us, a special welcome to you. Really glad to have you on this call with us. RUF is a group of people who are seeking to grow in their faith or uh, even just maybe explore whether or not they want to have faith in God. And wherever you are on that spectrum tonight, we're really glad to have you here. Uh, You're welcome to be with us tonight. My name is John Trapp. I'm the campus minister for RUF at Texas. And man, even though we can't be together in person, it's so good to see y'all. It's good to see your faces. Um, I miss y'all. And I love y'all. And I'm thankful that we have this chance to, uh, to still meet together virtually. Uh, let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about this passage. Father, uh, I pray now that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you. Uh, please help us and meet us where we are uh, right now, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, so the Trap Kids have been cooped up with us for a couple weeks now. Uh, at the Trap House, and if you don't know, uh, we have five kids, uh, nine, seven, five, three, and one, and uh, I guess because Chrissy and I just love chaos, uh, we decided to try to potty train our three-year-old Betsy while we were cooped up in the house, figured might as well, she needs to do it, and so we're doing it now, and um, the other day, we (laughs) we overheard Betsy Uh, who was getting some kind of advice from one of our kids, I think, about potty training. Um, Betsy looks at her and she says, You're not the boss. Mommy is the boss. And Betsy is the boss. (laughs) Note, uh, by the way, who was missing from the boss list. I am apparently not the boss around the trap house. Um, But Christy and I were laughing about that. and, And it did make me think about just how so often as Christians, we take that same kind of posture that Betsy has. Uh, 
Um, God, I'll, I'll admit that you're the boss, but I'm the boss too. Um, we are so, we love our control, right? I mean, we're so quick um, to say that God's the boss, but but so often in our in our hearts, we really believe that we're the boss too. Uh, but because Chrissy and I love Betsy, um, we love her too much to let her be her own boss. We know that she would be horrible at being her own boss. In fact, she doesn't even know how to use the bathroom on her own. So how could she be her own boss? And God, in the same way, loves us too much to let us be our own boss. And I mean, it's really moments like this in our history that we are reminded of how little we are in control of things and how poor we would be at being our own boss. Um, I mean, a microscopic virus has completely altered our way of life right now. Um, And clearly we are much less in control than we'd like to think. In fact, our our control is extraordinarily frail and now we're having to deal with the reality that our, our very lives are quite frail. So what do we do with that? And um, we're going to be studying uh, John 13 through 17 in the coming weeks because um, it's it's this same kind of moment that the disciples find themselves in. They're about to experience the frailty of life. Uh, John 13 through 17 is what's known as the upper room discourse. It's when Jesus is with his disciples the last night before he's about to go to the cross. And it's this long extended dialogue that, that Jesus has with his disciples, and it's kind of the inside scoop of what they were talking about the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And if you look in verse 1, you can see Jesus knows it's his time. It's his time that he's about to be away from these men that he's been pouring into for years. And right before Jesus is, I guess, going to be socially distanced from them, and and by the way, the disciples are going to be socially distanced from each other, they're about to all run away and be apart from from Jesus and from one another. The question is, what does Jesus want them to know right before that happens? Um, What would you want somebody to know if you're not going to see them for a while? You You want them to know the most important stuff, right? And so Jesus wants them to know the most important things, and we're going to get an inside scoop on what those things were. And what I want you to first see is before Jesus starts talking to them and telling them things, he does something for them first and he cleans them. Jesus cleans them because he knows they need cleaning. And this really is, um, it's a picture of uh, of what we need as Christians. We need to be cleaned because we can't clean ourselves. We're not good at it. Sorry, I'm... I don't know why I'm doing uh, multiple potty trap stories, but I'm, I'm going to do one more. Um, when our kids, one of our kids uh, had first gotten, was sleeping in pull-ups, uh, they would try to clean themselves in the middle of the night if they woke up with a mess. And it was horrible. And they did this multiple times. They would find themselves uh, in an uncomfortable position. Rather than calling out for help, they would try to make it better. But what ended up happening is they would create a what I won't describe for you, uh, but what was a pretty heinous mess uh, in their room. And all we wanted for them was for them to call out for us so that we could come to them and clean them. And what Jesus is demonstrating here for his disciples is that 
for them to have anything to do with him, they have to let the, they have to let Jesus clean them. Jesus is showing them how far he's willing to go to be in a relationship with them, to care for them. And it's a stunning moment. This is, this is fascinating to me when I was reading and studying for this. There is no record, commentators um, said this, there's no record in ancient Jewish literature or in the Greco-Roman world of, of a superior washing an inferior's feet like Jesus does here. It's not that just this is a rare thing that Jesus is doing with his disciples. It's a completely unheard of thing to do. And if you were, in fact, if you were a Jew living in that time and you had servants in your household, if you had a Jewish servant, this task was so menial and degrading that you would not ask them to do that. You would get a Gentile servant to do the foot washing because the, the foot washing was the nastiest job. Uh, it was the thing that no one wanted to do. And, and yet here we see that if, if what Christianity says is true, that the God who has become man, Jesus Christ, what, what God, when he became man, what he was willing to do is he was willing to wash our feet. Listen to what Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not e count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is what Jesus is showing his disciples here, that he loves them so much so that he's willing to become their servant. Do you realize that this is who God is claiming to be in the Bible? That God loves you this much that he made himself a servant in order to save his creation, in order to save his people. And God doesn't start with asking you to demonstrate how much you can serve him and how worthy you are of being clean. He starts with, the, with his disciples. He starts with first showing them how much he's done to love them. And I, I, I kind of read this story with different eyes right now. Even Christian, I've been watching American Idol and, um, like right now it's like tape delayed a little bit and there's like so much physical touching that's going on during Hollywood week. People like hugging each other and high-fiving each other. And we just like cringe every time we see her like, Oh, stop touching, stop touching. Like we're all, I think we're all becoming clean freaks right now. Um, wiping down everything. Like we get our Amazon packages and we're like spraying clouds of like Lysol all, all over the place. And we're all turning into clean freaks. And I think, I think at our hearts, we're all spiritual clean freaks. A lot of us are. But instead of Lysol and Purell, we use our own good works to try to make ourselves feel like this is why I should be okay. Like this is why God should um, deal kindly with me or love me. But what this ends up doing is it makes us so, a self-righteous, repulsive mess, like a child trying to clean their own dirty diaper. We can't clean ourselves. And Jesus knows this. He knows this. And yet we resist his cleaning. You look at verse eight. You can see that Peter hates this. Like Jesus gets down to clean him and Peter's like, no, you will never wash my feet, Jesus. And the reason that he says this is like, look, the, the disciples' feet would have been really gross and dirty. And for Jesus to, I mean, it would have been the most dirty part of their bodies. They, they wore open-toed shoes. They're, uh, in the first century, the sewage system was along the side of the road um, and kind of open air. I mean, it was your feet were the most dirty and kind of vulnerable part of your body that would have that 
nobody would want to be close or touch. And reading this story, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if some of y'all, I guess, if you're looking for a Netflix show to binge or to watch, um, it's, it's kind of a period piece, but we liked a lot. It's called uh, Call the Midwife. Um, and season two, they have a Christmas special. And it's, it's a show that's set in London. It's about um, a group of women who serve as midwives in the mid, uh, mid-20th century. And this woman who's a, a new midwife, her name's Sister Jenny. She goes to visit this old uh, shut-in. It's a woman named Mrs. Jenkins. And she's, this woman's malnourished. She's unwashed. And because she's in such poor uh, hygienic condition, she's dying. And she will not let, but she won't let anyone touch her. She's just, she's, um, she's just kind of like bent in on herself and old and surly and angry at the world. And she hits anyone who gets close to her. And this new midwife um, who's kind of in training is tr- trying to help her. And she just, she gets beat up by this old lady basically every time she gets close to her. And so she comes back and brings this more experienced nun named Sister Evangelina. And Sister Evangelina is this like big um, kind of hulking midwife and, uh, she's really experienced, and you think that she's going to deal with Mrs. Jenkins really well, but they get there, and Mrs. Jenkins just, like, puts her through the ring or two, and she won't let her close to her, and she is hitting her, too. Um, and so they kind of give up, and they're leaving. And as they're leaving, you hear this, like, horrible howling noise. This awful howl- I mean, I would try to copy it, but it, I, y'all would laugh at me. But it, on, in the show, it's, it's sad. It's, it's kind of haunting. And they freeze and they don't, it's, it's some, it sounds almost inhuman, but Jenny asks, what is that? Is that Mrs. Jenkins? I've never heard anything like it. And Sister Evangeline says, I have. We used to call it the workhouse howl. It's the sound of someone who's been at the bottom of the heap. I would call it a protest, except there's no fight left in it. No hope either. So what they do is they go back into the house and they listen to her. They love her. They convince her to let them bathe her. And Jenny goes to take off her shoes. And this woman's, it's so, it's so gross in the show, but like her, her shoes are, they won't come off. They're, they're stuck to her feet. And Jenny starts pu- trying to pull at the shoes and the old woman j- just screams out, you're hurting me. And they finally, um, they get her shoes off and her toenails are like this long and rot, you know, there's like rotting flesh and it's her, her leather shoes have been just kind of like almost fused to her feet and sister Evangeline, her voice just becomes so tender. And she says, no wonder you were lashing out. You must've been in constant pain. Mrs. Jenkins just looks down at her feet and she says, they shame me. They shame me. And Sister Evangelina says, no, not anymore. And it's, the scene is beautiful. As they undress her for her bath, and the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, begins to play. And you hear the words, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. God is so invested in meeting us in our places of shame, the places that we would not want God to see and to clean. This is who God is. He wants to come to those places. And what he says is, no, those places will not shame you anymore. They will not shame you anymore. He cleans you. In fact, Jesus goes so far to tell Peter here, he says, if you don't, if I don't wash you, Peter, you have no share with me. 
You have no share with me unless I wash you. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm alone, like a lot of us are right now, a lot of you may be feeling that right now, I can think about all the things that I've done, about all the things and reasons why God should not want to deal with me or care for me. And it makes me feel really insecure. And it makes me feel like I need to do better, that I need to clean myself. But God is telling us, no, that will not shame you anymore. Or when I'm isolated, that's oftentimes when I've struggled with the things that I am ashamed of. When I'm alone and don't have much to do. And it's those, those are the times when I, I mean, honestly, when I've like said the worst things to myself about myself. When I shame myself. When I tell myself I'm such a fraud. But what Jesus is telling his disciples, when he says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me, is that he wants to be, he wants to know the, the dirtiest, most shameful yuck of our life and meet us there. And in verse seven, he says, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but after you, afterward, you will understand. And what he's saying is, look, guys, I know what you're about to do. I mean, a couple, like in, in, uh, Mark 14, like later that night, we see Jesus, he looks around the table and he says, uh, all of you are going to deny me and run away. And in Mark 14, 50, it says, um, Peter says, if I must deny, if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. And then in Mark 14, 50, it says, and they all said the same. They all, they're all going around the table saying, we'll never leave you. We'll never run out on you. We'll, we're with you to the end. And just a few verses later in the same chapter, it says they all left him and fled. Every single one of them. Every single one of them failed him. And so what Jesus is doing here in this room is he's cleaning. He's cleaning the messiest parts of them so that they can have assurance when they struggle and fail him later that night. That it's Jesus who is the one who's cleaning them. It's Jesus's work on their behalf that's going to make them secure and safe. And so what I would ask you guys is, are you clean? Because if you look at verse 10, Jesus says, some, there is someone in this room who's not clean, and it's Judas. And the reason that Judas isn't clean, it's not because Judas hasn't done a lot of work for Jesus. In fact, Judas has done amazing work. Judas has cast out demons. He's prophesied in Jesus' name. He's healed people in Jesus' name. And it's not because Judas hasn't been like involved in Christian stuff. Judas has been in the best Bible study in the history of the world for the last three years, following Jesus around. Judas has done all of this stuff, but Judas doesn't have faith. And that's what makes you clean. Faith in the one who will clean you. That's the security that we need in this time when we feel so out of control, when life feels so frail. And I want you to have it. I want you to have it. I want you to rest in it. And so I'll close with this. What, I mean, what we kind of wish this ended with is Jesus, for Jesus in verse 17 to say, if, if you know these things, blessed are you if you know them. But he doesn't say blessed are you if you know them. He says, blessed are you if you do these things. He encourages them. He says, look, I've watched you now. I want you to go and serve others in the same way that I've served you. And the big, the big things that are going to change this world, and it's not like, amazing speeches or books that are going to be written about this time or conferences or out debating somebody about why we can still believe in Christianity in a time like this. That's not going to change people's lives. It's not going to change the world. What's going to change the world 
what Jesus is telling is going to change the world is love. Loving people. Loving people as we've been loved. And we have the power, each one of us, you have the power, if you're a Christian, to make people feel the love of God. It's through our love, not through our fancy speech, not our insight, not our knowledge, not out arguing people. It's through our love. It's through putting our neighbor before ourselves. I mean, even, even if that means like simply right now being physically isolated for the good of others, which is what we're doing. And that can feel like such a little thing. And I think in our, in our heart of hearts as people who want to um, clean up others and be the hero, we want to do great things for God. Um, but Mother Teresa uh, is famous for saying, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. That's what I would encourage y'all to, to do small things now with great love. Small things like social distancing, but also small things like friendship. Don't be alone right now. Reach out to each other. Encourage each other. Love each other. Um, it's why we're going to keep doing RUF stuff, because it's not good for us to be alone right now. Even, even if we're physically distant, we want to be, be relationally close still. So come to our daily prayer at 11 if you can. or Come on to Mary Henley's crazy game day tomorrow, which is going to be pretty hilarious. I've seen some of the stuff she's got up her sleeve. Uh, or or uh, hop into one of our small groups so that we can be leaning into relationship and friendship because that's what Jesus is leaving his disciples with. He's cleaning them and he's telling them that they need each other. God has done the great loving act by cleaning us. And so what he calls us to do now in this moment, and I think that, I think this is what the way he's going to work powerfully through you guys and through his church um, is for us to do little things with great love. He's cleaned us. So rest in that security today. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks so much for the work that you have done um, in and through your son, Jesus. And I pray that you would help us to rest in that, um, to rest in his work on our behalf, uh, to trust that you actually not only love us, but you like us uh, if we're in Christ, if we put our faith in him, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. And we pray and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. Um, since we, we don't have a closing song, but let me send you away with this word, uh, which is true for anyone who is in Christ. And it's an invitation to anyone who would come to him. And it's this, it's that the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing.